Javier Reyes with Animals as Leaders, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, what's up? It's Andy from Black Veil Bronze, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 339 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. All right, up first on the program, we have guitarist Mike Martin of the band All That Remains. All That Remains is currently out on tour supporting their new album, Madness. They're going to be coming through and doing a show on the 8th of May at Mr. Small Theater here in Pittsburgh. I can check out their website. Uh, they're all over the place, so certainly chances to see these guys uh, promoting this fantastic new record. Uh, we're going to play you a little bit of the title track, Madness, and we'll get into that interview. Great pleasure to welcome to the show from the band All That Remains. We have Mike Martin on the line. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. How you doing? Doing very, very well. You guys are going to be rolling into Pittsburgh here in just a, a very short time. I know you guys are doing a bunch of dates on the East Coast right now. Um, wanted to first check in and see how the tour is going for you and how the you know the new material from the new album is being received. Oh, things are great. Uh, we're we're only on uh, God, I think tonight's the fourth show of like the actual tour, so we're very early in still. So we've been doing a lot of fly shows and stuff like this. We've only been like back on the bus for like four or five days now. So just getting into the swing of things, though. Everything's going great, though. Everybody's still got clean laundry at this point, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't made that first laundry run yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um at this point in your career, I mean, you've been with the band now for 14 plus years, if my math is correct. I mean, is touring something that still is kind of fresh and enjoyable, you know, when you step away from it and come back to it like this? Or is this, you know, just kind of part of the business at this point? Well, it's definitely something, it's not really an option. You know, as far We're lucky to be able to do it, that's for sure. But sure. as far as, uh, you know, touring and not touring goes, that's definitely not an option with uh, nobody paying for anything anymore. So. Mm-hmm. You know, the only the only way you are honestly going to make a living is if you get out there and sell T-shirts and try to sell some tickets to shows. So, 
you know, nothing we're not used to. It feels great right now because we haven't we haven't been on a tour bus in like a, like sixteen months. So uh, it's kind of nice to get on the bus and kind of get into a groove and get into a playing uh, every night routine, which we haven't had in a while. So you know, it, it go you know it goes up and down. You know, after you're on the road for a year or two straight and you get a little burnt out, but right now everything's fresh. So I, I feel great so far. Let me ask you this: as far as like. You know, I think of it. You guys are a pretty high energy band. I mean, do you have to kind of do some some work leading up to the live performance to kind of get in in shape for a you know a full on full headlining show? Is that something physically you know do you you prepare for at all? Uh, not you know everybody's doing their uh, well. Three, I know three out of the guys and three out of the five guys in the band are big enough. We're, we're, I'm standing outside of a YMCA right now. We just we just walked into a YMCA, so me, Phil, and our new bass player, Aaron, are big into, like, you know, going to gyms during the day, which we're doing right now, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, J- Jason has a pretty physically taxing job behind the drums, so he he probably warmed, I think, he, he spends a good hour before we go on just sitting there tapping away on a drum pad and stuff, he, he definitely does has to, he doesn't like just getting behind a kit cold and right. having to play really fast, so, you know, everyone, all he, all he plays guitar all freaking day, it's like... You know, he's just he's just that guy who I've never seen anybody play an instrument more than he does. But uh, yeah, but the physical thing's not too bad though, because you know, even a headlining show for us is only really an hour. People, unless you're like a classic rock band, you know, people don't really have the attention spans for two, three hour shows anymore. You know, I still like seeing, you know, my favorite band. I went and saw Guns N' Roses last year, and they played for three hours, and I loved it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I think with like like aggressive metal and stuff like that. I think once you get past the hour mark, people start getting a little, little burnt out. So, yeah, that's actually, we physically, you know, I think we're just used to it after doing it for so long. Sure, and that's a great point you bring up about set times. I mean, because you you think about, you know, is you when you've got music at a pretty high tempo, after a while, it does sort of. You know, you're right. It starts to sound the same. I think, uh, you know, when I listen to Ingve Malmsteen, which is a, one of my favorite guitarists, you listen to a, like a 60, 70 minutes of him at that speed, you need kind of to downshift a little once in a while. So that's that's a great point. Yeah. How many how many more notes can you hear? <laughs> uh, with with Ingve, unless you're going to kick over to Dragon Force, I don't know if there's many more. But um, let's talk a little bit about um, you're kind of a child of the '80s music, I hear, and and I know you're you're. Working with the Fender Music Company, if I'm not cor- correct, uh, with Charvel and EVH, um, are you still using that combination for your your gear right now? Yeah, yeah, I use, I use both of those still, and I also use uh, Paul Reed Smith guitars too. So okay, those are my main, uh, all the main stuff that I use. But yeah, I love I've got the EVH stuff. I've been obsessed with EVH stuff since I got a rent. I was we were in Europe on a tour, I think in 2011, and I had like a rental. Ahead, just to rent for the month that we were out there, and I just fell in love with it. And they've just been great to to us ever since. And so that's been a. I've got to a lot of you know a lot of dreams have come true playing music for the last fifteen years, getting to work with some of the gr- coolest like uh, equipment you know just for companies that I never thought I'd ever you know get a chance to work with, and they've all we've always been lucky to just you know hey you know I got a head that's broken can you send me another one they just sent me a brand new head yesterday because I was having trouble with one so stuff like that Yeah, I don't like to take that for granted because I, when I was a young kid going to the guitar center and stuff like that I used to see all the stuff on the wall and I'm like man I can't afford any of that <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah 
I mean, you, you remember the days when when you dreamed of buying the little tiny amps, you know, and you know just to get one with a Marshall name on it or you know whatever brand it was yeah. that you sought after as a kid. Then to be able to just call up the manufacturer and have your own rep and have them send it to you has got to be a, a real treat, I think, for anybody. And I don't know too many musicians that take that for granted. Uh, no, nah, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so the new album, Madness, um, I, I think from my perspective listening to the album, uh, which has only been out now for a little over a week, if I'm not mistaken, um, you've got a lot of different styles really in that album. Can you talk a little bit about you know how eclectic you know the influences on that album are? Yeah, uh, this band, you know, we just have always been... Uh, there's always been like a certain set of rules I think that a lot of bands like kind of just apply to themselves which we've always found pretty unnecessary so yeah. you know if you take a band like Lamb of God who's a very straight up you know or Slayer or something like that very straight up heavy metal thrash kind of band you know it's like there's a certain box that they're going to stay in because I think they know they're going to get crucified if they step out of it mm-hmm. you know their fans take it very seriously we, we've kind of gone a different route on that as far as like hey you know I want to do an acoustic song so we're going to try it out and uh, you know if it pisses everybody off and you know, so be it but <laughs> you know the radio we've always had ever since we had our first song on the radio back in 2008 you know we've gotten we've taken so much crap you know as soon as the radio thing happened then you start hearing the sellout stuff and mm-hmm. it's just not anything that we've ever I think a lot of people will kind of buckle and just like stop doing it once they hear any kind of criticism, but we kind of just kept pushing it further and further. So, and like, you know, the numbers don't lie too. So we always look at, you know, no matter how many people are complaining that there's too much singing on a song, if you go to the downloads for all of our songs or the streams, it's always the songs with all the singing that have the most plays and the most downloads and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is. You're, it's you're not, we're not. We're not afraid to take chances on styles and stuff like that. And there's five different people in this band that are like five very different things. So it's, which is our records at this point are just literally all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> you know whether it's a, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, we can't really tell. It's just we just do whatever we want, and I think that's. I think people will at least respect that to a certain degree. Yeah, I, I know. Listening to it, you know, I. I hear a band you know get labeled as death metal you know and that's you know certainly one of the labels that could be construed for some of your songs but you assume you're going to get you know cookie cutter or i'm sorry cookie monster vocals from start to finish and it's going to sound a certain way and i put this record on and you know kind of had a pretty uh open mind when i listened to it like these guys have almost like add when it comes to this musical style because you guys every song is so different and and when you're done with the album, you feel, I think, very fulfilled by it because you've, you know, a whole bunch of different kind of musical itches you scratch with this record. Yeah, and like you you said, going into it with an open mind, which is, you know, something that a lot of people fail to do. So if you're going to go into it like that, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go into it with that one-track mind right. and you only want to hear, like, if you hear the first song and you go, okay, cool, that's heavy, that's all I want to hear. Right. You know, then you're going to be bummed. But <laughs> what are you going to do? You know. Yeah, I mean that that, that is one of the, the the curses of success. Sometimes is that you know if you go with you know a style that you know the majority of the people like, sometimes you will maybe alienate someone who was you know just fell in love with the first record and don't want you to ever sound different than the first record. And there, I think a lot of bands out there that can do that, like you mentioned Slayer. Nobody wants to hear uh, you know. 
electronic drums in a Slayer song or something like that. But a lot of bands, no. I think, become quickly irrelevant if they don't change their sound throughout the course of your career because you're not the same people you were 15 years ago when you made, you know, other tracks. As you get older and, and you know, different things are going on in your life, the musical landscape has changed in that period of time that sometimes, you know, reinventing a sound or changing this time, sound with the times is is, is a good thing. So I applaud. Yeah, you know, that's... Uh, True, uh, you know, it's, I think that helps with our longevity. So we've outlasted a lot of bands that we came up with. So mm-hmm. I think all the I think all the variety has helped over the years. Can you talk a little bit about you know in the in the early part of your career, you know what that metal scene was like in Massachusetts at the time? Because I mean, there were quite a number of bands kind of have come from that time in that place. Uh, what was that like at that point? It was magical. It was so cool. It was like. You just had everybody, everybody just got along. The shows were just packed. There were so many good bands. It's right in one little area of Massachusetts. It was like just a ridiculous amount of bands that were getting signed and blown. It was between Massachusetts, Connecticut, but you know we're we're right on the Connecticut line. We're like 15 minutes away, so it's like between Massachusetts and Connecticut, it was just like it was such a cool like just family kind of thing and. The shows did so good, and then all of a sudden, every band all of a sudden was, you know, signed to labels, and all of a sudden touring, and it was like, wow, okay, this is this is really happening. It was just, I don't yeah. think you knew it. I don't think you knew it was such a big deal while it was happening because you just felt like a kid mm-hmm. at shows, and you're like, oh, this is the way it is, man. Shows are awesome around here, and this is just the way it is. But when you see how things are, kind of comparatively, mm-hmm. it was really, it was really something special. Yeah. Now, did you have a sense, you know, in that storm of of activity there, that the rest of the world wasn't really doing the same thing? I mean, that was what I think what made it kind of cool, and what makes these pockets of Seattle and Los Angeles, when these things happen, that the rest of the world is kind of totally oblivious to what's going on, and then we hear, oh, there's something really cool going on in Massachusetts. Uh, did you guys realize that you know we've got something magical here that the rest of the country doesn't have at this point? Yeah, we thought that, and then it took a little bit of a. I think the the first two bands I know this was Shadows Fall and Killswitch mm-hmm. Engage were the first two that I saw going out and start touring. And I was, in my mind, it was just automatic. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is just going to catch on everywhere, yeah. and it did. You know, I guess I was just confident in those bands to go out there, and everyone's going to be like, man, this is great. And they caught they they caught on quick, and then a bunch of other bands followed, and it was just like. Yeah, a new wave of uh, all the ba- all those bands got you know everybody got big in Europe and it was Japan and all of a sudden it was like these bands were like worldwide. I knew with Killswitch I, when I saw Killswitch start doing like the world tour thing, I was like, this is only a matter of time till people are like, holy crap, this band's amazing. Yeah. So, and then you know everybody kind of got on that wave. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, in a lot of ways, I mean, for metal in in the United States, you, you know that movement was sort of you know almost like life support for for the metal because you know so many bands had been from Europe and it was just kind of a a, a post new metal sort of time in, in in music so it was really you know a great thing that I remember picking up Seattle's Fall and thinking whoa this is you know I might have to get used to the vocals but I can really get used to this guitar work on this stuff you know which is fantastic yeah it was crazy it was just it was such a cool time you wish you had a time machine and go back and do it again it was so much fun yeah but um, so you guys, you're going to be doing. You said about an hour in your set 
for this new album? Uh, roughly, how many tracks are you pulling off the new record? Do you have any idea? Uh, we got we you know I don't we don't like to jam too many of them down everyone's throat because the mm-hmm. record's been out for like five days. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know we're doing two right now, and then we got we got four we got like four of them ready. We're kind of just rotating them basically. Right. So we'll just uh. You know, kind of rotate them in and out, see what kind of getting the better reactions and stuff. And but I'm not I'm not a fan of playing too many new songs off a record when people haven't had time to like digest yet. So yeah. I I like to give it five or six months at least. People kind of get a clue of what's going on, then start then start throwing three or four new ones in there. You know? Yeah, because people do want people obviously do want to hear, you know, the hits and all that stuff. Yeah, that's a t- it's a tough blend because you 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 want to throw in some new stuff for the people who've been there year after year after year and seeing you guys to keep it you know fresh for them and I'm sure it's fresh and exciting for you guys to play new songs but uh, you don't want to throw out the hits for the people who you know maybe haven't seen you in three or four years and then they come out and like oh all they played was the new records so there's there's never a perfect formula I think unfortunately but uh, it sounds like it's going to be yeah, great I just find just find a balance that's all you can do exactly. <laughs> well Mike I want to thank you so much again you guys are going to be coming in to do a show at uh, Mr. Small's uh, here in uh, Millville just outside of Pittsburgh on the 8th of May so we look forward to seeing you when you get into town man yeah thank you we, uh, we love it there we can't wait to play alright a big thank you to all that remains for coming on the show again there will be in town on the 8th in Pittsburgh uh, doing a show at Mr. Small Cedar so you can check them out and if you go to their website you can get all the dates for those of you who are not in the Pittsburgh area and then we're going to turn our attention to a show that is the very next night uh, the 9th of May at the Hard Rock Cafe we have joining us Richie Cotson Richie, uh, no stranger the show has been on at least twice if my memory serves me correct uh, he's got a new album called Salting Earth uh, that I think uh, if you're a fan of, of kind of rock hard rock, soul, even a lot of different flavors. And one of the things I think, not a lot that you can compare between Richie Cotson and All That Remains, but I think one thing that they both have in common, both of these artists have current albums that have a ton of different flavors on them. So really uh, very interesting albums for the listener. Um, Richie is going to be doing a solo show. Uh, He's got a three-piece band that we talk about in the show. So let's play a little bit of uh, some new Richie Cotson, and then we're going to get into that City Rocks, we have uh, guitarist extraordinaire Richie Cotson on the line. How you doing, Richie? I'm good. How are you? Doing very, very well. Um, pretty excited to talk to you. Uh, you're doing a show in Pittsburgh on the 9th of May at the Hard Rock, but uh, 
I guess first and foremost, uh, a fantastic new record out, uh, Salting Earth. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what went into this particular album? I mean, what sets it apart from some of your other releases? Well, um, you know, it was kind of interesting. I uh, I had this record actually finished uh, last year, sometime in the summer. It was done, and um, I decided I wanted to take some time off. So I, I kind of let it let the record just sit there for a while, and, and I I didn't listen to it for many many months, and. I went off and did some other things, and and I came back to it, and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to come back to this and, and see how I feel about it with fresh ears. If I like it, uh, move forward and, and put it out, and if not, well, you know, go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I still <laughs> I liked what I did, and, and I, I was excited about it, and I, I decided to follow through and put it out. Um, you know, some of the things that set this record apart, um, I ended up somehow having more songs that were written around the piano and the electric piano so that's something a little different um you know i've always had songs on records you usually have one you know where i kind of would build it around the keyboards uh this time i have a few more and uh, we're doing more of that live too in a live show which is it's kind of nice to get away from the guitar for a minute and you know, we're just a three uh, three piece. There's only three of us, so uh, it's nice to have that separation, and it's actually uh, given us a, a, a much more interesting live show as well. So, I'm really excited about the record, and, and people seem to to be receiving it well. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Richie, what was was piano your first instrument? I mean, that seems to be kind of common, I guess, amongst musicians. Was that your first, or did you dabble in it after you took up the guitar? No, I actually started taking piano lessons when I was really young, mm-hmm. around five or six years old, but it didn't really go anywhere. Um, I, I I moved to the guitar a few years later, and I kind of stuck with that. Um, I always noodled around with the keyboards and, and, and wrote uh, on the piano and, and, and used it as a, as a, a flavor more or less mm-hmm. in my recordings um, but really was pretty much known as a guitar player um, I don't consider myself a fantastic piano player by any mm-hmm. means but uh, as far as it relates to playing my music and 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 expressing my ideas it, it works just fine but um, guitar is my primary instrument guitar and voice you know is um, do you find I, I think you see a lot of guitarists so you, you'll see that do tend to go and write even even guitar music and they write on the piano just because it's it's a different way of hearing music sometimes I think you know maybe it sparks some different creative juices than you know when you pick up a guitar you've probably been doing it so long that you you know you gravitate to the same scales the same keys Does, do you find that somewhat you know refreshing when you sit down at the piano oh definitely you know it's just it's obviously the instrument's laid out much different um, but you know a lot of the writing that I do, uh, sometimes I'm, I write things without even being near an instrument. You know, I, I hear melodies and get lyric ideas, and I kind of sing them into my iPhone, into the recorder app, and mm-hmm. end up with these ideas. And oftentimes I kind of hear stuff in my head uh, already, you know, with all the instrumentation. So oftentimes it's a matter of 
at some point getting in a studio and just kind of bringing it all to life you know sometimes I, I I have songs there's a song on the record this is life which when you hear that you would think that I wrote it on the piano but I didn't I actually had the concept in my head and I when I cut that track I I started with the drums I went in the studio and just laid down the drum track and I kind of imagined the band in my mind playing with me mm -hmm. and then I went back and added all the instruments so um, for me there's no real set rule or approach in writing it, it all comes from from different places uh, which is probably why my music and my records are are pretty diverse uh, if you listen to even Salting Earth you've got you know you've got songs like End of Earth and Thunder which are heavier and then you've got stuff like Grammy and This Is Life which are you know more I guess soul based or whatever but it's just the way I hear music now is this this album you mentioned Land on the Drum Tracks was this album completely you or are there other musicians joining you on the record no I I played everything on this record um wasn't really intentional it's just kind of the way it worked out you know um my studio was set up in a way that everything was always mic'd up and ready to be recorded so right. at any given moment i could go in and work on something and i didn't have to finish it if i didn't feel inspired to i could always come back to it and alter things and and change things so it's kind of a very free way to work mm -hmm. and without having that typical pressure that many people have when they make records with deadlines and that sort of thing uh, without having that pressure I'm able to really be much more creative mm -hmm. and and really make sure that when I call something finished that I'm really loving what it is and, and, and ready to release it Now as far, far as the vocal tracks um, I know from listening to the record you know, there's a lot of flavor in the vocal tracks. Is that all you were just kind of singing in different ranges and falsettos and things like that? Yeah, it is. Um, there's one song, Make It Easy. Uh, there's one song where my wife sings the backgrounds with me so you can hear her voice mm -hmm. in there. But uh, aside from that song, yes, all the the vocals, uh, something that I've done, you know, for a long time. A lot of artists do it, you know, you you go in there and you hear ideas for harmonies and backgrounds and you're able to sort of layer things right. up you know in a, in a multi-track studio situation you can uh, put down as many vocals as you want and, and right. harmonize them and, and create the sound really of a, a full choir and so you know, you really hear that on songs like uh, like uh, My Rock is a good example there's a lot of voices on there and, and they sound like some of them sound like different singers but they're exactly. all me uh, yeah, and you know it's a it's a common technique. I know a lot of artists uh, have the capability to do that. Um, you know, but that's really one of the great luxuries of of you know multi track recording. You know, it's, it's great. yeah. I think the thing that was interesting to me listening to is it, you know you listen to let's say a classic example of layered vocals of Pyromania, and you hear oh, yeah. you know a hundred thousand Joe Elliotts but it sounds like a unified thing yours really it threw me to hear you say that because it doesn't sound like one singer it sounds like the flavors you get in a you know an ensemble so that's really cool um right live with a three piece i mean you had to find obviously some musicians to harmonize with or um do you well, kind of have the, to the simplify that a little bit yeah yeah you know it, what happens you know live you know things take on a different light um 
I, I'm one of those people that I like it when I go see a show and the band, you know, brings new life to the music live. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you wanted to hear the record, you, you have the record, you can listen to the record. Um, I like the idea of, you know, when you see a band live, maybe there's a spot where there's some improvisation and some things are played that were not played on the record, or even with, like with my band, sometimes the songs just completely take on a whole other turn night by night mm-hmm. and we have one song that's an older song of mine that we do called fear and somehow we evolved into this crazy solo section and night after night it just it's it's slightly different and for me that's exciting because i think a lot of times what happens with a lot of artists can get i don't want to say bored but i don't know what other word to use by doing the same thing night after night so we have the, the luxury just by the nature of how we play together to kind of uh, add a new life to the music, you know, night after night, which is something I look forward to. Yeah, it certainly keeps the creative juices flowing. You mentioned you know, doing the record and putting it on the shelf for a period of time, and, and that kind of made me wonder. Do you Are you a person who will go back and listen to your older recordings, you know, as you're getting ready to go on the road to maybe pick out some songs you haven't played in a while you know going to go back and reintroduce yourself to your own songs as weird as that sounds or, or do you a person who just hates to listen to their material after you've done it no I mean you know the, how can I say, say this I, I don't necessarily sit around and listen to old music occasionally mm-hmm. I, I I might mm-hmm. um, but not really in a you know in the sense of oh let me go put on that record you know uh, but I do like what you were just talking about like if I have a tour coming up and I'm trying to think about what I want to play mm-hmm. um, sometimes I, I, I have to go back and, and relearn things like there's a song that I always wanted to do live uh, from an old record I have called Peace Sign the song's called Your Entertainer and it's kind of a complex <laughs> it's simple and complex at the same time I mean the form is, is fairly simple but to play it is kind of tricky because there's a lot of unison Lines between the guitar and the bass, and so that song was always in the back of my mind, something I'd like to play live, and I decided to do it this time. And I really, literally, had to go back and sit down and, and dissect it, and, and you know, figure out exactly what I was playing because I didn't remember, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it has it's one of those things that has to be accurate because the bass player is playing the same thing as me, and some of the stuff is pretty tricky to play right. with the phrasing. And so in that instance, yeah, I had to go back and, and listen to the old song and slow it down and figure out exactly what I did. Um, so that does happen. Yeah, I know, you know, figure with a lot of artists, you know, you, you put out a new album, you maybe throw two or three songs into a set, you know, especially established, you know, like mainstream popular music where they're, you know, obligated to play the same 12 songs night after night, and then yes. you can kind of mix in some new stuff, I think. Um, you know, when I think of your career, uh, you know, I think of it as, you know, you really got the luxury to go everywhere you want because I think yours is built on the respect of the fans and, and, you know, as a singer and a guitarist, so you really, I think, can paint whatever picture you want and people are going to be pleased. Um, it's interesting, yeah, I can kind of, you know, the band knows so much, we've been playing together for so long, mm-hmm. and there's so much back catalog that we know, so you're right, yeah, we do have that luxury of being able to, to mix it up a little bit, which is fun. Yeah, and it, it, you know, in a way, I don't, you know, when you think of someone like Joe Satriani, who was, you know, a contemporary of yours in the, in the kind of the early days, 
you know when you're going to go see him, he's going to play Summer Song and Satch Boogie because he has to. But I, you know, I think you you have a, a probably a broader palette to to paint from as far as what you want to play in a set list, um, which is kind of cool. Now, as a singer, um, you know, I, I can't help but when I listen to you think of Glenn Hughes. Um, was he somebody you know in your early days when you were listening that you kind of realized you sound like or or were inspired by at all? You know, yeah, Glenn is very inspiring. Um, and I had the privilege of writing with him. There's a, mm-hmm. back in the nineties, we got together and wrote a few songs and there was a song called stoned that ended up on one of my records and, uh, another song called against the grain that we put on his record. And I, I think there may have been two other songs that we wrote together, um, that I can't think of off the top of my head, but you know, I got to hang, hang out and become friends with, with Glenn and, and certainly Glenn Hughes and, uh, David Coverdale. Uh, oh, I remember yeah. I used to play the record Stormbringer was one record that I played a lot back in the day and and both of them uh, certainly influenced my singing. Yeah, I listen to that and I keep thinking someday maybe the stars will line up and we'll see a Black Country Communion and Winery Dogs tour, you know, it would just be the you know, the ultimate for you that soul rock. We, yeah, yeah. We talked about that uh, back when we did our first record, um, we were out touring, and and that was something that we even said how cool that would be to yeah. a, you know to do something like that. It would be a great match. Yeah, I think really stylistically, I mean, for fans of one band or the other, I mean, you guys have got some really great similarities. You know, I've got powerhouse guitar and soulful singing, and, and you know the keyboard aspect, and you know you both got incredible drummers, certainly. So that, you know, yeah. You, if you get the stars line up, the tricky thing is you know getting both of those bands with the members available for both of them at the same time is hard enough just for one of the bands to tour alone, let alone. No kidding. Bands. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, true. Um, so live, um, take us through like your show. I mean, is it how, how long of a show? And, and you, do you go all the way back to the first record, or, or is it more concentrated on the newer material? Well, uh, we don't go quite that far back um we do go as far back as 1994 okay um and so in a weird way that record i did in 94 it was called motherhead's family reunion mm-hmm. in a very weird way i feel like that's really my first real solo record not to discredit the first three because they were special for different reasons but at that point i think uh, i was 24 years old i think that's really when I kind of figured it all out, when I say that, I mean like who I was, mm-hmm. um, my direction, and and who I was as an artist. I think at that point, my guitar playing really um, was defined as far as you know something, you know, playing something, and that clearly being a Richie thing. And the same thing with my voice. You know, I, I think I really found my voice as a singer in '94. Uh, so we do go that far back, yes. Yeah, so we go pretty far back. Um, and the other thing that y- you were kind of saying earlier, like a lot of artists come out with a new record, maybe do one or two songs from the new record. We're actually, we actually learned seven of the new songs. There's one that we haven't played yet, which we will. Uh, but we're doing a lot of material from the new record, which is, is kind of something that I don't think a lot of people do. No. And, and that, that seems to have been going over well, so... Uh, I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah, I think you know, especially. I mean, it, you know, as, as you you tour and, and it keeps it fresh for you, certainly. I mean, and I think sometimes as a fan, you you know, a lot of fans can pick up on that. You know, if you're going through, oh and God, play, yeah, 
you know, playing the same 12 songs you've had to play since 1994, and you can feel that too. I mean, you know, you think of, of, of some of the, you know, the big bands. I mentioned Def Leppard, for example. I'm sure some nights they would prefer to leave Photograph off the set list, you know, just because <laughs> they've got to be a little tired yeah. of playing, and I don't blame them. Um, so that, that's great, I think, you know. Plus, it, it shows, you know, you've got pride in your new material, and you're not just slapping out a record because you need an excuse to tour or vice versa. Right. So that's right. Awesome. And that's the one thing I always think about too. With me, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that there's so many, there's so many records out there, and I, I really think, you know, I, I feel like if I want a tour, I almost don't need mm-hmm. to put out a full record. I mean, I did put out a full record, and I am touring, you know, with that full record out there, the new one. But had I not done that, I, I still think I could have went out and, and put a show together because there's so many songs that I haven't played, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of material there, and, and it's just kind of the way my career went, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm always writing, and, and I love, you know, finishing songs and having the opportunity to share them with people. So awesome. it just seems to be working. Well, I'll say, uh, Richie, I want to thank you so much for the time. Again, you're going to be playing the Hard Rock Cafe on, uh, that's May 9th, I almost said the 6th, May 9th. I'm going to be doing a show down the very intimate venue. Uh, you know, you're one of the most beautiful spots in the city of Pittsburgh, so it should be a great night for people to come out and kind of share in your new album in the back catalog. So we want to thank you so much for joining us. Right on. Thanks for having me. Three bands that shaped rock culture forever. Foreigner. Feels like With Cheap Trick. Jason Bottoms Led Zeppelin Experience Saturday, August 12th Key Bank Pavilion Tickets are on sale now At all Ticketmaster locations online at livenation.com or call 1-800-745-3000 Alright, that about wraps it up I want to thank All That Remains and Richie Cotts and again, All That Remains is at Mr. Smalls on the 8th very next night at the Hard Rock Cafe in Pittsburgh on the 9th got Richie Cotts and so too as I mentioned uh, earlier, kind of very diverse shows, but uh, I think fans of, of hard rock music who like variety are really going to enjoy uh, one or the other or both. So uh, really cool stuff to check out. Uh, you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We are on facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, as well as Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube are all also forward slash ironcityrocks. You can reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Use the contact link on our homepage. Uh, keep an eye on our social media. We've been doing a ton of ticket giveaways in conjunction with several local promoters. So if you're in western Pennsylvania and you like going to shows without paying, give us a listen. Uh, and I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to listen. Listen.